Hi, this is Stuart Weems and welcome to the Investopoly podcast. My goal is to give you simple, easy to understand strategies, insights and tips to help you master the game of finance. And in this episode, I'd like to talk about a realistic or practical comparison between property versus shares in terms of which asset class uh, is it best for you to invest in and how to make that decision. Uh, Before I do that, uh, as I've stated before, uh, it's important to highlight that I'm completely uh, a completely independent uh, advisor. Uh, that is, I have no vested interest in how my clients invest. Now, whether they invest in uh, shares, property, or any other asset class for that matter, uh, makes absolutely no difference uh, to me. Uh, the only thing that I'm most concerned about is, uh, one, uh, is the asset uh, appropriate for their circumstances, and two, um, uh, can we invest in a way that's uh, going to provide predictable and reliable and adequate returns? Because ultimately, if I help my clients achieve their goals, um, then they, they will remain clients, they will refer other people, and therein lies the success of my firm. Uh, so I, I just want to point out that you know when I'm talking about property versus shares, I'm not coming from a, a standpoint of vested interest. And also... I'm coming from a standpoint of having deep experience and understanding uh, both on a a personal and professional level in both asset classes. Because sometimes when you hear um, people debate property versus shares, you hear a stockbroker talking about shares, for example. Well, in that situation, I would be questioning how much experience and success does that stockbroker have in in investing in property? And I can speak for myself Uh, I invest in both asset classes, and I would say I invest in both asset classes equally well or equally successfully. So um, I'm coming from that standpoint. Now, the next uh, point I'd like to make in this uh, common sort of property versus shares debate uh, is that I think it's absolutely meaningless and useless to debate which one is better, which asset class is better. Uh, I think it's like debating, you know, which golf club is best. <laughs> you know, the, the reality is each golf club has a unique purpose and uh, that a, a golfer needs many clubs in their bag to, to play a game well. You can't put one club in your bag uh, and expect to play a really good game. And, and you probably, you know, that analogy probably doesn't require a deep knowledge of um, golfing. Uh, I think it's uh, rather common sense. And I think investing is no different. The reality is that each asset class has pros and cons. And the goal is to develop a a strategy, a combination of asset classes, so that you are able to balance out those pros and cons at a portfolio level. Uh, And ignoring any one particular asset class in totality doesn't make a lot of sense to me. uh, And typically gives rise to higher portfolio risk because really what you're doing is Uh, putting all your eggs in one basket. So the reality is, in terms of returns, uh, I think, uh, theoretically, you could invest all your money in shares or all your money in property, and I think the the expectation of gross returns from those investments, it is reasonable to expect that they're going to be broadly similar. Uh, that is, that the long-term returns from both share markets and property markets are circa 10%. You know, th- there's a little bit of variation, but it's really not material. So in terms of which asset class is going to derive a, a higher return, I think that's a bit of a misnomer as well. 
Okay, so let's get into the practical comparison then. And I think the biggest difference between property and shares is appetite for gearing, appetite for borrowings. Um, and quite often, if we sit down and do a theoretical comparison between, say, invest a million dollars in the prop- property or invest a million dollars in the share market, um, we have to, in that theoretical comparison, assume we're going to turn around tomorrow and dump a million dollars in the share market. And I don't think there's many financial advisors that would think that's a good idea. And the reason why is because of volatility. And volatility really just talks about how returns from year to year can vary, how much they vary. You know, so if it's high volatility, they can vary significantly. Uh, Where if an asset has low volatility, then returns are more predictable and there's little variation from year to year. So that's sort of volatility. And in the show notes and the blog on the website, I uh, have reproduced a a chart from my book Investopoly, where it charts uh, uh, over the last 36 years, the historic volatility and returns of different asset classes, including Australian residential property. Uh, And I've never seen any, I had to go away and calculate the volatility rate myself. uh, And I haven't seen that published anywhere um, in my readings over the last 20 years. So it's kind of an interesting and unique uh, comparison. So when we look at shares, for example, um, the average return uh, across Australian, international and US shares uh, over that 36-year period is about 11.6%. Uh, the volatility rate is uh, around about 21%. Uh, so in non-mathematical uh, terms, the volatility rate is like the standard deviation And we know in maths that if you take the average return or the mean return plus or minus one standard deviation, that range, uh, your returns will be in that range uh, two thirds of the time or 66% of the time they'll be within that range. So uh, with shares, that range is uh, a loss of 9% or a positive return of about 30%. So there's like a, a really large range there. And so... Uh, 66% of the time, if you invest in shares, your return will be in that range. Uh, Whereas if we go plus or minus two standard deviations, uh, that'll take into account 95% of the probability of return. Um, And that range is negative 30% and positive 53%. So that's a massive range, obviously an 80% variation between outcomes. Uh, and therein lies the the concern around gearing in shares is that the range, we've got a 95% probability that our return is going to be in such a wide range that no one really knows. And really what you don't want to do is take a million dollars and invest it in the share market uh, and then it drops 30% over the next year or next few months or whatever it might be. Uh, and then you've lost 30% of money that you don't didn't already have because you've borrowed it and that doesn't make a lot of sense. Whereas we, whereas we look at the, um, the volatility or, or ranges for property, for residential Australian property, two-thirds of the time, your return is going to be between nil, so no return, uh, and 20%. Uh, so that's a, a much tighter range. And 95% of the time, it's going to be between negative 10 and positive 30%. Again, it's a rather big range, but not nearly as big as the, the shares range. So really, if we think uh, about the, the likelihood then of borrowing to invest in property, and in the short term, we're in a loss position, uh, it's, it's a lot less likely than it is in the share market because we've got half the rate of volatility. So the volatility rate 
um, is about 10% with property versus about 21% with uh, with shares, at least over that 36-year period. Uh, and really, when you look at that 36-year period, for property, there was only six loss years, six years which you made a loss, uh, and the losses weren't that that significant. They weren't as large, obviously, as loss years in, in share markets. So um, when it comes to borrowing to invest, most people, for good reason, based on that uh, statistical data, uh, feel more comfortable doing that um, uh, for property, at least gearing to a much higher level for property than they do in shares. Now, how do we gear if we want to invest in the share market? Well, I would almost never recommend someone go and borrow a a big lump sum of money and invest it tomorrow. Uh, That's just got too much timing risk. And because of high volatility rate, that's really not going to work. Instead, what I'd usually recommend is that we invest in a series of regular and relatively small tranches uh, over hopefully many years. And I'll talk through an example of that uh, in a second. But doing that allows us to kind of spread our timing risk, average in into the market. Um, and uh, if if there are corrections, you know, if there's a massive correction, we can bring forward some of that investment as well. Uh, and there's a great video uh, that Vanguard produced last year. Uh, and I, again, I have the link in the show notes on the website. And what it does is it walks through an example of someone that invested $500 a month beginning in 1990. And by June 2020, uh, so, you know, that's 30 years, almost 30 years, 29 and a half years, uh, that investment would be would be worth um, $760,000. And that balance really comprises of 177000 of their contributions plus 583000 of growth, income and growth over that period of time. And I think it's a really excellent, I mean, check out the video, but it's a, it's an excellent example of how investing regular in regular amounts over very long periods of time, 30 years in this example, can create a significant amount of value, an extraordinary amount of value, I think. Uh, and so that's typically how I would uh, approach borrowing to invest in shares. So what I wanted to do is do a, a practical comparison between those two strategies. Uh, the first um, scenario is that we would um, access some equity in our home uh, and we would draw on that loan, uh, draw $5,500 a month on that loan and invest $5,500 a month each month for the next 15 years. So that's circa a million dollars invested in the share market of borrowed funds over a 15-year period. The second uh, scenario uh, should be pretty obvious by now is go and borrow a million dollars and invest it in property. Uh, So in the share scenario, I assumed a return of 9.8%, and that's just based on Vanguard's 10-year return for their um, diversified growth index fund. So it's looking at really historic returns, and and I think that's broadly in line, as I said, with those uh, longer-term returns. Uh, for the property scenario, I have assumed we buy uh, a house for nine uh, nine hundred and forty thousand, uh, and plus we've got to pay for stamp duties and buyer's agent fees, so borrowing around a million dollars. The property generates a, a rental yield, an initial rental yield of um, three point two percent. And to make sure I'm comparing apples with apples, I've gone. I've assumed a six point six percent capital growth rate so that the total return from this asset is is 9.8%, the same as shares. 
Um, and there's a few other assumptions which I've listed again in the blog and, and show notes. Um, essentially, there's probably no surprises that the winner is property. So in future dollars, uh, a property strategy creates about $5 million of equity. So that's equity, it's excluding the loan. Uh, whereas a share strategy creates $3.8 million of equity. And of course, it's not because um, property is better than shares per se. It's simply the mathematical effect of investing a million dollars today versus a million dollars equally over the next 15 years. Of course, um, the the one that the, the scenario that you invest a million dollars over 15 years, of course, that's going to um, uh, result in a in a poor outcome or, or a, a lesser outcome, I should say. Um, I think what it demonstrates is that the mathematical power of gearing can be significant and it can actually compensate for poor investment returns. So that is, I can have a really great in, uh, share investment strategy and an average investment property and because I'm gearing more heavily with the investment property sooner, uh, that will compensate for the lack of the return, that the actual gross return from property versus shares. And so what I did is I worked out what's the kind of break-even um, capital growth rate that I would need for the property strategy to still be better. And really anything, um, I calculate 5.85%, let's call it 6%. Anything, so as long as you're investing in a property that's going to give you 6% or more in terms of capital growth rate, uh, then mathematically the property strategy is going to be better because you have... Uh, that higher level of gearing. And I'm not um, endorsing investing in a property that's average or below average, or in fact, not investment grade. Of course, I'm not doing that. But I guess it demonstrates that there is a break-even point there that um, the gearing, you know, at what point does the gearing more than compensate you for uh, a potentially lower return? Now, it's great just to look at top-line results. You know, what is the amount of equity? But it really ignores the risk associated with gearing because obviously... High levels of gearing uh, create um, high levels of risk, uh, partly because uh, you have a, a greater interest rate exposure, so um, or interest rate sensitivity. So if interest rates rise, you know it has a greater impact on your cash flows. Uh, and secondly, because you know if you go and invest in a property, uh, you are committed to funding the property's holding costs, the negative cash flow. Uh, the only way that you can um, avoid doing that is sell the property. Whereas with the shares, it gives you a lot more flexibility. You can dial up or down the amount you want, you'd like to invest. Uh, and also, the share strategy is self-funding. So the income that's coming from the share portfolio pays for the interest cost. And I've assumed an interest rate of 6.5% in both these comparisons. Obviously, a lot higher than what it is today, but you know, just to make sure that I'm really... Uh, taking account the inf impact of, of interest rates. Uh, so um, we, we need to really, it's, it's great to look at that top line, top line result, but there's going to be some people out there where gearing into property is really not appropriate for their circumstances, either because they already have a significant amount of property uh, or because maybe um, they're, they're approaching retirement or you know some other consideration like that. So it's not always appropriate for people to go out and go and buy an investment property and kind of commit themselves to funding maybe $30,000 a year when interest rates are higher than what they are today. Uh, and that's one of the advantages to the share strategy is that it gives you a little bit more flexibility uh, and plus it doesn't suck out any cash flow. You know that the investment returns 
uh, and the income from the portfolio, if you have a look at historic returns, uh, uh, pay for the interest costs. So it doesn't eat into any of your other personal cash flow. And really, when we look at the value in today's dollars, you know, the property strategy um, accumulates about $2.4 million of equity in today's dollars. So it's really $5 million in, in um, 30 years is equal to 2.4 today versus 1.8 for the share strategy. So, of course, there's a differential there, 2.4 versus 1.8. There's a differential there of 600000 But I think I would argue that uh, both strategies are, uh, are actually equally quite powerful. You know, they, they generate a significant amount of uh, wealth over a long period of time. Uh, and whether that $600,000 differential is going to change your life, uh, I guess, depends on your circumstances. Um, uh, but I, I would say that both strategies um, have merit. And probably the deciding factor around property versus shares is what is appropriate for your circumstances. And that's really going to depend on your income profile how far away you are from retirement, uh, and what other assets you currently uh, invest in. Uh, They're probably the three main considerations, but of course, everyone's situation is different. So there you go. There's a practical comparison between property and shares. Uh, And I think it's a a different take uh, than the traditional sort of what are the pros and cons of each asset class, uh, because it allows you to sort of apply um, that methodology to your own sort of personal circumstances. Now, I have a favour to ask, please. If you enjoy the podcast, please rate it and sh- uh, rate it wherever you're listening uh, to your podcast, whether it's Apple or whatever, uh, and or share it amongst family, friends and colleagues. Um, the more the merrier. Uh, it really helps uh, the success of the podcast. Uh, and as you can imagine, I put quite a bit of time each week into um, producing these uh, hopefully thought-provoking articles and blogs and podcasts uh, and it'd be great uh, to, to have you guys uh, share it as much as possible. Thank you in advance for that and until next week, bye for now.